Marshall and Sager here. Welcome back to the realignment. Hey everyone, welcome back to the bi-weekly realignment supercast ask me anything slash discussion episode. The way it works is that if you are a full subscriber to the realignment, five a month, 50 a year, 500 for a lifetime membership, you get access to the full discussion and the ability to input your questions, comments, etc to the episode. If you'd like to subscribe to get full access to this episode, go to realignment.supercast.com. Okay, I wanted to kick off this episode before getting into a bit of discussion on the Ben Smith episode we did yesterday by reading a listener comment about a previous Ask Me Anything discussion we had. If you are not a full subscriber, the quick summary of the discussion was Sagar and I were talking about ancient Roman and Greek history and were very, very dismissive of the topic. We're not particularly well read on the period, and we said that listeners should really focus on 18th century, 19th century, 20th century history instead. Uh, One of our listeners, Sid Jaha, actually wrote a great response in, and this sort of sets the standard for audience response. So I want to read this response, and it also kind of inspires me to do a better job of not just dismissing things casually on a podcast. So here is the comment. Disagree with the comments on the AMA on Roman history and found it uncharacteristically reductive. There's definitely a cringe Ryan Holiday type person that's weirdly only into Roman history at the expense of a broader syllabus. However, the reason we have to look past that cringiness is that every influential person involved in the creation of the systems of democratic government since the fall of the Roman Republic has used the events involving Caesar, Cato, Cicero, Augustus, Cleopatra as a framework to thinking about restraints on the executive and legislative branches of government, not limited to the United States. Sager mentioned reading about the birth of the French and American nations. Instead, the Federalist Papers are written under various pseudonyms that are from the cast of characters of the fall of the Roman Republic. That's not just a historical nod to the centuries. The Roman story was very much top of mind for the Founding Fathers as it relates to the rise of well-meaning tyrants and the arming of other parts of the government with the tools necessary to contain them. Two books I love on the period, if you guys, as the broader listenership, are interested, are Tom Holland's Rubicon. It's a bit pop history-esque, but it's very readable for anyone with no context. And Adrian Goldworthy's Augustus, about the creation of the Roman Empire in its early days. Thought I'd share the feedback. Thanks for continuing to put out great stuff. Happy to be a subscriber. So yeah, like I said, it's easy during these episodes to get a little casual and just dismissive of things, but I appreciate people who hold us accountable. I'm definitely going to check out um, the books that Sid suggested. I also mentioned Sid has a great substack called Snapshots. You should check that out if you found his incisive skewering of Sagar and my overstatements particularly helpful. All right, Sagar, let's discuss a little bit before we get into the paid exclusive section of the discussion. Uh, yesterday, folks heard our episode with Ben Smith about just the rise and fall of social media driven uh, digital media, BuzzFeed, Vice, Gawker. I said this at the start of the episode, but just like the best book timing of all time, that this came out the week that Vice declared bankruptcy. Obviously, Ben would have some inkling of the fact that BuzzFeed News was going to get shut down because he was the editor-in-chief, but just that coinciding really just spoke to how precarious the situation is. I do want to discuss with you, though, the place where the podcast ended, which was just me asking Ben, like, hey, what's your advice for young journalists, a lot of people in the audience send us questions about this. So I wanted to talk about this a bit. His answer was like, get scoops. And I actually 
just really disagree with that framework. Um, I'll get into my kind of beef with that, but I'm just curious, like what you thought about that last section, like what would your advice be? Like, what's your conception of this? Et cetera, I understand et cetera, et cetera. where Ben is coming from. Ben grew up in the 2008 era. The reason he thinks scoops matter is because at that time, publishing the scoops on the internet genuinely was interesting and revolutionary. So Ben got his start at Politico in 08. So whenever he would get a scoop, it would uh, get a ton of traffic and it would get a lot of eyeballs because there wasn't as much attention for genuine like new-ish type of information. Politico kind of invented uh, what I call the scooplet. That's what other people like little mini bites of information that are meaningless to 98% of 99% of people, but useful to the 1% of Americans. So anyway, understand where he's coming from. That said, um, I do not believe that that will make or break any new person in media. And I'll give you a reason why, which is that the, and actually I talked to him today on breaking points. Here's the deal. Like all media today, information in and of itself is a commodity. And what I mean by that is in the age, basically the day that Twitter was invented, X is happening, no longer is a purview of the news. As in like two planes just hit the World Trade Center. That used to be an actual monopoly on news networks, newspapers. Now it's just out there. So what's the story? What do news organizations do? What do you and I do? What do I do at Breaking Points? What do New York Times do? We explain it. We add a little bit of context. We're like, two planes added in the World Trade Center. CIA officials suspect Osama bin Laden. That's one type of news. Uh, here's where they animated the 9-11 hijackers on 9-11. Uh, here are the people that they met. These are all derivative. That All of this is news, but it's not how you used to think about the news. So I just think that he's kind of wrong in that he doesn't understand that all media today is explanatory journalism effectively because we're all basically working from the same set of facts. So if I go on the front page of the New York Times, for example, four Proud Boys, including ex-leader, are convicted in Jan 6 sedition case. This is not something that they have a monopoly on. That's public information. So why would I even want to read this? Okay, well, it's so not I'm just public reading... information. Anyone could put it out there, right? So like, I could sort of substack yeah. right now and post yeah. That exact story. Well, more what I'm saying, though, is that that story, the facts of this story are released by the U.S. government, by the U.S. Oh, okay. Department of yeah. Justice. All of us, I, they don't, I don't need to read the New York Times for this. So why should I read it? I'll read it because they're going to have a quote or something in here from some guy. Let me just read. Yeah, down they go. Several decisions by the presiding judge, Thomas Kelly, and they do an explaining job because they had a guy in the courtroom who was there who can add some color and some context. Once again, I think that's great foreign journalism for sure is it a scoop though not really and uh i think that that's just kind of where modern media is today yeah here's the second page marshall uh this is exactly what i'm getting at the second story on the front page of the new york times analysis Clem kremlin blasts were real the rest is hazy maybe intentionally so it's like explainer journalism thing that's not really i mean that's not really like a scoop it's just adding context so everything today is about context um, ever since information became a uh, information itself became a commodity, which is essentially free in the public domain. Yeah. And the thing is, in Ben's defense, you could think of someone like Olivia Nuzzi. So she's at New York Magazine. She came to prominence because she hyper covered the yeah. um, uh, what was Wiener. it? Uh, yeah. Anthony Weiner series of scandals. 
in New York. She wasn't particularly distinguished, but she just covers, 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 and then like goes to the Daily Beast and continually up levels herself to the point where she's, you know, appearing in succession. And then she's also getting a TV show, I think, uh, an AMC on like journalism, this, this, this or that. Um, that is a specific example of how like one like young person was able to get that scoop and leverage from there. But the general advice that I would really suggest for folks, and you can really see this playing out and, you know, you're in my career, Sagar, is just answering a couple of basic questions. So question number one, where do you fit? Are you an institutionalist or are you an anti-institutionalist? I'm an institutionalist. Therefore, the type of people who are interested in my work are going to be people who are like more into the, the New York Times. Sagar is an anti-institutionalist. It means that he's going to play more in the independent media space. I think an advantage the two of us have is that despite those facts, um, I could be I could be a think tank dude and still attend a breaking point show and have a good time. And you, when you need to, can go to the White House for a press event. Most people in our spaces can't do both. So that's another suggestion. If you could figure out a way to swim in both different worlds at the same time, while still leaning towards one, that's another one. Point number two, what is your format? Are you a podcaster? Are you a YouTuber? Are you a TikToker? Are you a Rails user? Are you a thread poster? Um, I'm, other than the thread posters, I'm not really dunking on any one of those different categories because they're different ways of performing the quote unquote job of journalism. So the question of scoop could maybe be like, okay, like, am I the person who's going to an event and just like live tweeting what's happening quicker than anyone else? Like that's a real thing that people could actually do. Um, one of the people in the book that Ben described, do that. Yeah. one of the people that Ben described in the book is someone who their skill set um, was whenever there was a press release of some important event, they would be the first one to tweet and summarize it out. Just always, like they got it down to a science. They had all the alerts. They could type fast on everyone. Like that was the thing. Like that's a way of understanding. It's not just like scoops and information. It's thinking to yourself, like, how does this information fit into my specific skill sets? And then lastly, I'd say that a really key thing is just understanding that just if you're playing the game of scoop to Sagar's point, you're playing a game of commodities. And instead, you want to be playing a game of differentiation. So brand seems kind of like, you know, corporate and kind of like whatever, but brand matters in the sense of like, who are you and what are you trying to say? There are too many people who, you know, get part of the, well, too many journalists in the big layoffs that are happening right now are going to leave the field and realize, wait a second, I actually didn't really have a brand. Other than I was at Vice or I was at Vox or I was at BuzzFeed. Um, it's kind of funny. Uh, Substack sent an email out to all of the people who use the platform that said, hey, if you're a journalist and you got laid off, come here. You've talked about this saga. A thing that's going to happen to a lot of these guys and gals is that when they join Substack, they're going to discover, oops, it turns out that most people were just there because they were attached to the brand or like the reach that I had because of said brand, they actually don't care about me. They're not going to subscribe. If they're inbox crowded, they're not going to definitely pay for me. So understanding that point is just really, really key. Yeah, no, 100%. Very true. This is a good pivot point into the gated part of the conversation. We've got a lot of really interesting questions today. Um, we're going to start with one about Andrew Yang, a real blast in the past. If you'd like to get access to the full part of this discussion, go to realignment.supercast.com or click the link at the top of the show notes. You could insert your own questions, comments, et cetera. Okay. Question number one, Andrew Yang. 